What's up, crew? Welcome to Filming in Progress, the show that takes you backstage into the world of local businesses and the people who make them shine. All right. Thanks so much for joining today, man. Thanks for having me. Thanks for coming down. Yeah, no, excited to be here. This is awesome. Um, so today, I've got the privilege of welcoming Connor Curran to the show. Yep. Uh, Connor is the founder and co-owner of Local Laundry, the Canadian-made clothing company renowned for its commitment to local, responsible, and ethical production. I love it. <laughs> Named one of the top 40 under 40 in 2022, Connor's passion extends beyond business. He's a true community champion with a heart for our planet. Oh man, yeah, that I could have said. I love that. I, I want to steal that afterwards. That's great. <laughs> Please I, do. I've never thought of it as the Canadian clothing, the Canadian-made clothing company. We've always described ourselves as a as a Canadian-made clothing company, but I kind of want to use that. That I do want to be the Canadian-made clothing company. You think of like made in Canada. You think of clothing. Yeah, I want to be the made. That's great. You are the. You are the <laughs> I want to. As be, soon yeah. as you think it, you are. Yeah. I love it. Um, Connor, how'd you get here? Uh, well, we started the business eight years ago. So after university, I went and worked in oil and gas. I was not a good fit for it. I got laid off pretty quickly <laughs> in about two years. Then I decided to move to Sweden, of all places, to go pursue my MBA and really figure out what it is I wanted to do, right? And that's where I really had to ask myself, you know, oil and gas, corporate job, not for me, you know, I had all this energy and I, I wanted to find something that I was passionate about, something I could dig my teeth into and go after, right? I'm really addicted to people, getting connected to people, meeting new people, finding out what makes them run, what makes them happy, what makes them sad, you know, and how, how can we help each other grow? And so I looked to my parents for inspiration who were both immigrants to this country, if you couldn't tell from my lovely ginger beard. They came from Ireland. They moved here when they were like 20 years old, no money, no education, worked three jobs each until they could finally fulfill their lifelong dream of owning an Irish pub. And they became entrepreneurs for themselves. They put it all on the line and they created a successful life for themselves. And I saw, you know, growing up, I saw them, how they were their own bosses. They made their own decisions, their own schedule. They worked incredibly hard. But I also saw how they used their business as a vehicle to build community around them, to invest back in the community, you know, particularly helping other new Canadian uh, people come to this country, get set up, you know, get a foothold, get their feet on the ground, bring their families over. And I thought that was really cool how they wanted to be successful in business. That was first and foremost. But it wasn't everything. Right? It was it's not about growth at all costs and make as much money as you can. It's about have a good business, be your own boss, create a life for yourself, but use that business as a vehicle to give back. So I looked at that as an inspiration. I said, that's what I want to do. I want to be an entrepreneur. I never thought I was smart enough to become an entrepreneur. I thought you had to know everything about taxes, you know, and finances and all this sort of stuff. And so just one day I was just like, you know what, screw it. I'm just gonna go try something. And I really saw clothing, that could be my vehicle, just like there was the restaurant. I thought maybe clothing could be my vehicle to bring people together. I thought how people dress themselves and how they wanna be perceived in this world and how they use clothing as a way to showcase and share their values to connect with others. I thought that there was something there. I thought that was kind of cool. So what I wanted to do was, create clothing specifically based around Calgary and used to bring Calgarians together, right? So I did what anyone does and I Google searched nice. how to make a t-shirt company. <laughs> I watched a YouTube video, I 50 bucks later, I got a Shopify store and I used a website called hipsterlogogenerator.com right to produce my first designs. <laughs> and within a couple of hours, 
you know, I had an online teacher company and all of a sudden it just burst open this, this door of curiosity. I was just like, oh, how do you do this? How do you do that? And I'd get stuck on something and I'd Google it and watch YouTube and fix it and overcome it. I'm like, oh my goodness, amazing. And then I got my first sale. Oh my goodness. I mean, it was my best friend. I paid him to go through the system, <laughs> see what it was like. Yeah. And then the second sale was amazing, but that was my dad. He never wore the shirt. I think he just felt bad. But that third sale was from a complete stranger. Right. Complete stranger. Didn't know who he was. I, I made sure I didn't know who he was. I looked up his address, looked up his email, looked up his LinkedIn, social media, did not know who he was. And that feeling that someone out there who knows nothing about you believed in what you were building, right? Because I took nothing, a little bit of nothing else, slapped them together, and I created something. And the, the thought that someone out there would want to buy that something that I created out of nothing drove me mad. I was just, I was completely and hopelessly addicted and I just wanted to grow it and get more of those and connect and learn what made that person want to buy and just grow, you know? And so I was just, I did whatever I could, right? I would chase, I, I, every single platform, I was on Twitter, Reddit, Instagram was just kind of popping off around that time. Started there. Then I came back from Sweden. I met my business partner, Dustin, through a friend of a friend. I had to go back, get another job, you know, build this on the side. And Dustin, who's a lot smarter than I am, you know, he knows finance operations and he helped kind of, you know, I got it this far off the ground, he helped turn it into a big boy company, you know, and that's when we started getting into stores and we didn't know what we were doing. We were both working full-time jobs, working on this on the side, evenings, weekends, but we gave up everything else because we just love doing this so much. So I, I gave up drinking, I gave up partying, I gave up, you know, I loved playing and coaching basketball. Anything that wasn't family, health, or business got cut and we went all in. And we just kept going, 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 going. And one day you wake up and you're here. Right on, right on. Fascinating story, really. <laughs> It's unreal. Sweden of all places too, it's interesting. Yeah, yeah. Um, I wonder if the I wonder if the first guy who bought who bought something knows that he was or it's the third I suppose yeah, if he yeah. knows you know but he I think I met him once yeah I think I met him one other time and um, I told him that and he was kind of floored he had no idea yeah but yeah I should look him up again <laughs> um, it's really cool you mentioned community obviously that's a huge driver I feel like anybody who knows your brand knows that you're community driven first, right? So would you say you were entrepreneur first or was entrepreneurship kind of a vessel to explore your, you know, your sense of community? That's a, that's a great question. I've never been asked that question before. I would like to think and say that I was an entrepreneur first and that was always it, but I'd be lying. I think it was, I was just always driven to meet new people and connect with new people. I just, I want to know everyone's story. You know, I, I love learning new languages to be able to connect with people and, and understand their language and who they, who they are and where they come from and yeah i just wanted to i get really excited meeting new people and that kind of thing so yeah. i wanted to, uh, i think it was the community first and then just entrepreneurship just kind of presented itself because i think it, it was the kind of perfect timing because at that time was really the first time in recent history where you could start a business with no money no education no experience you know you could do build a whole business just on your phone and so I think that allowed me the opportunity to use entrepreneurship as a vessel to scratch that community itch. Amazing. Amazing. <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, Local Laundry, how'd you come up with the name? Well, there's another little bit of a story there. But um, I remember I came up with the idea in Sweden of the business. 
and I ran home. We lived in this tiny little Swedish house, like no bigger than the size of this room. It was so small, type of room where you could be in bed and you could turn on the kitchen sink from bed. <laughs> teeny tiny. And I came home and I told my, my wife, I was like, I said, babe, we got it. We're gonna make a clothing company. I'm gonna make a clothing company. It's gonna be amazing. She goes, oh, okay, cool. Like, what are you gonna call it? I was like, that's the best part. I got the perfect name. She's like, okay, lay it on me. What is it? And I was like, Calgary Community T-shirts. <laughs> and she was like, man, that's the dumbest name I've ever heard. I was like, okay, you're so smart. You come up with a better name. And we had this little tiny washing machine that lived in our shower. And every time we did a little laundry, this thing would dance around the bathroom like a Tasmanian devil. And we'd have to sit on it and jump on it and kick it and punch it just to do a load of laundry. And that night, you know, when I came home, she had lost a, a, a bad match with that laundry machine. Mm. There was wet laundry all over our shower. And she's like, well, you want to be all about supporting local. And she's like, why don't you call it local laundry? I'm like, oh, that's the best name I've ever heard. She's like, yeah, she told you. So she came up with the name. Right on. She's the smart one. <laughs> um, did you always know that you were going to come back and do this in Calgary? Because like you said, it started, you know, Calgary Teach. What was it? Sorry. Calgary Community T-shirts. I love that. I love the way you put it. It makes it so much interesting. Um, yeah, if you were starting that company in Sweden, you know, you must have known that you were going to come back and that was going to be your, your foundation. So. Yeah, it was, you know, I went, I, I've lived all over. I went to school on the East Coast. I lived in Quebec City for a little bit. I did an exchange to France. We lived in Sweden. But Calgary was always home. I just thought there was so much opportunity here in Calgary, so much opportunity. It's such a unique place where it doesn't matter who you are, where you come from, what you do, if you're willing to put in the, the hours, you're willing to put in the hard work, you're willing to try, put yourself on the line, hard work is rewarded here. It's encouraged and it's respected and it's re rewarded, which you can't say the same for every other city, you know? And the Calgarians, they just, we're, we're an interesting bunch where we, we respect that hard work and that's why it's so easy to build community because it's not a dog-eat-dog -dog mentality here. It's not you versus me. It's how can we grow together? And I, I just saw there was a ton of opportunity. I love Calgary through and through, so I think everyone should live elsewhere for at least once in their life to really understand how great it is here. And so, yeah, I always knew I was coming back here. But it was interesting because I was living in Sweden. We used a print-on-demand company, mm -hmm. service. So I was living in Sweden, selling shirts in Sweden. The shirts were getting printed in LA and then shipped to Calgary. So it was a real mishmash of, of, uh, of operations. But. I see. So, so sh that's interesting because now you're purely local, right? Everything, everything's produced locally, that sort of thing. Well, everything's produced in Canada. In Canada, so, sorry, yes. Yeah, majority, we have manufacturers all across the country. So we've Stuff comes from Vancouver, stuff comes from Quebec, a lot of it comes from Toronto. We have a small, small uh, stuff, uh, a small amount of stuff that comes from Alberta. Some, some clothing we've done here in Calgary, but it's uh, all across Canada. So why, uh, why is that important? Is that part of the community aspect as well? Or, you know, why did you make the choice to, I'm sure it's cheaper elsewhere, all these yeah. different factors that, you know, could contribute to business. So why, why local? Couple of different options, you know, first it was in the name. So we weren't always Canadian made. Our stuff was made anywhere and everywhere because we didn't know any better. And our customers started asking us like, you're called local laundry, but why is your hats made in China? Why is your clothing made in Mexico? I was like, well, you know, it's, it's 
good question. I don't know. <laughs> and so we started looking at why isn't everyone else making stuff here? And we started looking at it and it always came down to cost. Not the cost of the material. The material is almost identical cost no matter where you go in the world. What makes Canadian made so expensive is the cost of labor. Mm -hmm. To pay a Canadian living wage, to work with manufacturers that adhere to strict Canadian labor and environmental laws, it's just, it's just more expensive. And that's why everyone chooses to produce their clothing in less in countries that have less expensive labor, right? To produce a garment for cheaper. And we kind of saw that and we go like, that's, that's, that's weird. That's not right. That doesn't seem, that doesn't seem us, you know? It just, it didn't, didn't sit well with us, you know? And when we looked at it, you know, we, we did some digging and prior, according to StatsCan, prior to 1989, 70% of all clothing bought and sold in Canada was made in Canada. And that number as of 2020 was less than 5%. So no one's making stuff here. No one's selling stuff. So we saw it as an opportunity to really live true to our, our values, true to our mission. But also we saw it as an edge, something that could differentiate us from all the big box stores, the mall stores, other pop-up clothing brands. You know, we could, we, we're never going to be able to compete on price. They'll always be able to make a shirt cheaper than us because we're small, we're little but they're never gonna be able to compete with us on our values, right? They're not gonna onshore bring their stuff all back. That, that ship has sailed, right? So that's something that we could compete on. That could be our differentiator against all these other clothing companies. Right on. I feel like, um, you know, as entrepreneurs, we're extremely busy all the time. We're doing all the different things. And I know we talked off camera about how we hate that word, but the reality is it's true and, and in different ways, right? You know, uh, we choose to place our efforts in different, different avenues and that sort of thing. Um, and, and in some ways, and a lot of companies experience this, is that they lose those values over time because they get bogged down with different things, whether it be, you know, I got a million orders this week, so I, I can't focus on community or I got, you know, I have to go to check on our producer so I can't do this or that or whatever the other thing may be. Um, how do you ensure that community, you know, your founding value, if you will, uh, stays, stays the centerpiece of your business and is, is constantly a priority? Well, I mean, for me, unfortunately, it's just part of my nature. It's not something I can turn off. Much to, you know, sometimes the chagrin of the business, you know, sometimes I put the community needs ahead of the business needs, and which is not the right thing to do. You know, uh, a lot of us, a lot of us, a lot of people would describe us as a social enterprise. And sometimes we take, we take, we take beef with, with, with that, that word, you know, so to be a social entrepreneur, to be a social enterprise, I think it can only be a social enterprise for so long that it's, they're set up for failure. Too many people are too focused on the social aspect and not the entrepreneurship aspect. We want to be a business that does good, but we're a business first, right? Profit does come first, but that doesn't mean that you can't be a profitable company and create a big impact at the same time, right? But if you put that social emphasis and that community emphasis, if you go too much that way, eventually the business is going to suffer. You're going to run out of money and you're going to cease to exist and you're not going to be able to contribute and invest in the community anyways. So I think as, as a business, the community is massive and it has to be a part of your plan. And I think it's just going to be like five, 10 years from now, it's going to be table stakes. Every single business is going to have a community aspect. We're seeing it go that way, you know, but if you don't take care of the business, you can't take care of the community. Right. And so, yeah, I love the community. That's, that's the fun part. That's the sexy part. That's the, just the, the passionate part. You know, the, the, 
the net profit and margins, like that's the boring part of the business, but it's absolutely necessary and you can't have one without the other. It, so you have a goal of uh, donating one million by twenty twenty, sorry twenty thirty. Is that correct to yeah. local charities and that sort of thing? Yeah. Tell me how that came about and kind of where you're at with that. Well, we looked at these large companies and they were writing million dollar checks, and we're going, man, I'd love to be able to write a million dollar check for a charity. Like, how cool would that be? And it's like one day we'll do that. And then we're like, well, we don't, I don't want to wait till we can donate a million dollars. And then we sort of said to ourselves, like, we might not be able to donate a million dollars today, but if we keep donating $100 here, $10 here, $1,000 here, bit by bit by bit, it's all going to add up to a million dollars. I guarantee it. And so we just kind of took that mindset that, you know what, we're a small business, but that doesn't mean we can't have a big impact. And if we're never going to be able to write that million dollar check, you know, if we can't be giving the $100, the $1,000, or other ways, you know, our giving garments, you know, for every two can sock and blank that we sell, we donate one for one to a shelter, right? That goes towards our million dollar mission. And so we want to, we want to let other companies know that just because you're a small business, just because you can't be writing million dollar checks yet, doesn't mean you can't have a big impact. You still have to find ways to invest in the community. And it's an investment. It's not, we, we don't like the word giving back because giving back implies that you took something. We see it as an investment. Right? You just keep investing in the community, investing in the community, because one day, I guarantee it, you're going to need help from, from your community. And we've seen it countless times, numerous times, where we've needed help. And every time we ask for help, the community comes out in droves to support, no matter what we ask for. Someone from the community comes. And I firmly believe that's because we spent the time, money, and effort in investing in the community. And I can't say for certain, if we hadn't have done that, that our community would be there to support it. So you have to see it as an investment in the community. You have to be investing time, money, energy, passion into the community. Because one day, you're going to need something from the community. And you're going to have to ask. And you, know, you, get, you, get out, you get out of the community what you put into it. <clears throat> I love that. It's, it's a give and take, right? Yeah, absolutely, 100%. But, but never, yeah, I, I, you said that perfectly. <laughs> love it. That's <laughs> um, So it's, it's something that's, you know, recently made a ton of headlines um, is, is your, your situation with Walmart. Can you enlighten kind of what that looks like? Yes, this was a prime example of when our community stood b beside us. So, you know, one day we get a call from our cu a customer saying that there's a design that is similar to our trademark design. So we go down and we take a bunch of videos and, and you know we reach out to their trademark team, uh, the CAN one. The CAN one, got yeah. it, okay. And so we got the trademark for both of these designs you know, back in 2019. It's a three-year process, thousands of dollars, you know, but we did all the right steps, we got all the right legal help, and we trademarked these designs because we want to showcase that, you know, these are, and, and we're not the ones, the first ones to come up with three letters in, in an X. We're not, that's, you know, we're not claiming trademark on that. What we're claiming is these three letters in that icon specifically, in that order. And if there's a design out there that can cause confusion in the, the marketplace, that's where we take, take issue. And our community felt that there was, uh, there was a design that was confusingly similar to our trademark design. And so we reached out to the trademark, to their legal team, and they said, nope, you know, we don't believe we're infringing on your trademark. So we kind of were like, okay, well, what do we do now? And we just kind of let it go. And we just said, you know what, 
we don't have the time, money, energy to, to fight this battle. I like it's taking our time and focus away. Let's focus on other stuff. Mm. And then one day we, I just decided, let's see what our community thinks. Let's pop it up on social. And that's when our community stood up and they were vocal. They were loud. They made it heard that they believed, the community believed that it was a confusingly similar design. And then, you know, we started to get media attention, news outlets, newspapers, radio, TV interviews. And it, the, the story just kind of kept getting bigger and bigger. And until Walmart, who, who still said that they did not, uh, they don't believe that they infringed on our intellectual property, but they removed any remaining designs with that. Okay. With that confusingly similar design. Interesting. Is that your first uh, experience with anything like that? Or? No. 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 And it probably won't be the last. So usually it never gets that far. Usually, you know, you kind of just show the trademark, you know, and, and then you, you work out an agreement or you, fig you figure it out. And in this case, that didn't happen. So we had no other, nothing else to do but go to the media and, and leverage our community and ask our community for help. You know, and I'm, I'm sure we'll find a, a resolution that, that, that works for everyone. You know, but you have to be, if you have intellectual property, you know, you have to be, pre be prepared to defend it. Right, right. Right? And you have to go the trademarking route. And it was all a lesson. It was all a lesson learned. But I mean, it, in the end, it just showed us, you know, how much our community is there for us when we need them. You know, how much they were willing to help, how much they were willing to be vocal. And that's what I mean about, you know, making that investment in community. If you make make the time to connect with people and build genuine relationships. Business is just a series of relationships. That all business, that's all business. Like you have business, I have business. It's not a tangible thing. There's nothing there. It's just a series of relationships with your customers, your, your team members, you know, your suppliers. And if you don't take care of those relationships, you don't have a business, you know? And so that was made really evident with us, with that whole thing. It just showed us that the community has our back and that made us feel amazing. Yeah, yeah, especially, yeah, that makes sense. And, and do you find these, you know, these, you said that's not the first time that's happened um, and I assume that the community's brought in, has been brought in, sorry, previous times probably to chime in or, or give you some insight or whatever that might be. Do you find that's, that's uh, community building or is it kind of like create like a weird? You know, everyone typically sides, sides with the small business and, you know, people, you know, you get an opportunity every single day to show your true colors. So people know, you know, if, if we were just some, you know, simple clothing company that was all about profits and not building community and just make garments as cheap as possible and charge as much as possible, would we have had the same outcome? I don't know, right. maybe not, maybe. But like people see that we're in the community every day. We're giving back, we're spending our time, money, energy, passion, connections to make the community a better place. You know, so nine times out of 10, they're gonna say, you know what, like, you know, shame on you company for leveraging that, this, this brand's, you know, ethos for your own benefit and gain, right. you know? So we're, we're very lucky that way. And that just wants, uh, that just makes us want to double down on the community, you know, investment side of things even more. Right. Right. right? Yeah. I'm, uh, I'm curious when you're, when you're building a business and, you know, obviously your community first, um, but also profit, profit first is obviously important creating, you know, garments that are high quality, locally made, those sort of things. Um, as you've gone throughout your journey, is there, are, have there been any unexpected outcomes, you know, things that you couldn't have planned for that, whether negative or positive? Oh yeah. I mean, everything in business 
you know, good or bad is, is so unexpected. You know, I, I think the relationships and just the community of entrepreneurs that, that we've built, you know, like looking back at all your previous guests, I was like, oh yeah, no them, no them, no them. Like I would consider those like all friends, you know, people that we can rely on, ask for advice, lift up when they're down and vice versa. And so that's always, you know, as lame as it sounds, you know, it's, it's, it's about the friends we made along the way. <laughs> and that's, to me, I think that's what life's all about. I mean, what's the point in going into a job every day, doing the same thing, clocking in, clocking out, and at the end of the day, you don't like anyone, you don't like anything that you're doing. I'm not the richest guy in the world, you know, far from it. I don't, we don't have a ton of money, but man, we are the happiest. I never thought that I would find my life's calling, my life's work in doing what I'm doing. I never thought I'd be as fulfilled as I am right now. I go home with the biggest, biggest, dumbest grin on my face. Like I'm, cause I know I'm doing exactly what I'm supposed to be doing. I'm having a blast doing it, you know? And I'm, we're meeting great people along the way, you know? We're in the game, we're living life. Like this is what we're supposed to be doing. Maybe we won't be in the game tomorrow. I don't know. If we're all go away tomorrow, I could, I would know that I did everything the right way. I had a blast doing it and I look forward to my next adventure, you know? So it's just, it's all fun. Was it I hard for it. you to find that? You know, the I've, fact that you're today, you, you know, you're running an incredible business, an incredible community. Um, a lot of people are in that finding stage, you know what mm. I mean? Where they're, they're just not sure what's next or they're not sure that they're doing the right thing or whatever the case may be. Um, how did you, like, you know, you, you said your, your story about how you came up with the brand, but what did that look like before you found fulfillment in your everyday? Yeah, I mean, I think I was just lost going from, from you know, one thing to, to another, just trying, trying to find that, you know, and, and substituting it with things that weren't fulfilling, you know, whether that's drinking or partying or, you know, aspiring to a certain lifestyle that, that, that means nothing or chasing money, you know, chasing success for the sake of success, you know, and I, I'd say I was doing that from the time I was, you know, 13, 14 to really kind of, you know, as you grow up and trying to find you know, who, who you are and what you want to identify as and, and what really resonates with you all the way till I was 25 until I found that, that business, right? And it's, and it's hard because you, you go to high school, you go to university, you do what your friends are doing, you want to fit in, you don't want to be different, you know, you try, you try to like things, you know, because everyone says it's cool and you just really don't like it. And it's hard and it's a struggle. And I think that's why a lot of young people struggle today because they don't know what the, they want to do. They don't know how to find it. And they don't feel right doing all the things that everyone else tells them is right. And my advice is just try to do as much as you can. I mean, I had, a, I had my own podcast before the business. I tried to start it. I tried to build an app. You know, I was doing lots of coaching for basketball. I was doing lots of running, just trying to find. So I would say just go do it. Go do as many things as possible, as many things as possible, and do it with enthusiasm, passion, curiosity. And if you do enough things, you will find something, right? And whether it's entrepreneurship or, you know, I would have found something, whether it was clothing or not or something, I would have found something. Luckily, I found clothing and it's stuck. So I think it can be very difficult because, yeah, you need two things in life to be happy. The, the key to happiness comes down to two things, two things only, and that's community and purpose. You need to find the people who are, who you need to find your people, you need to find your tribe, your community, the people who are into the things, the same things that, that you are, that can lift you up and you can lift them up. And you need a purpose. Without purpose, we are lost. 
We are lost causes. We are lost souls just wandering this earth aimlessly. You know, and so you need something that gets you up out of the morning, that gets you excited. And that doesn't have to be your work, right? You can go to work nine to five, you want to sit in an office, that's, that's fine. Maybe your purpose is raising your children. Maybe it's rock climbing. Maybe it's rock gardens or rock concerts. It doesn't matter, right? But you need to find that purpose. You need to spend every waking hour searching for it because without it, you'll never be happy and you'll never feel fulfilled. Um. Super fascinating. You know, as somebody who's, uh, who's, you know, always being social, you know, whether it be on social media or having meetings or, you know, building community, all these different things, um, how, do you, how do you recharge your own batteries, you know? You're, you're, or, or is that how you do it? Is, is the social aspect kind of how you, maybe you don't need to? Yeah, it's a little bit of both. I definitely get energy from other people. I don't like being alone for too, too long. But one thing I do... Um, to recharge is uh, I'm a big sauna guy. Okay. I love going for a, a, a steam, a sweat, a schwitz. You know, I can, during the pandemic, I built a sauna in my backyard. I've always been addicted to saunas and it's just like a nice place just to like cool or it's just, it's relaxing. You can soak everything up. You know, it is impossible to be stressed in a sauna because all you're thinking is just like, Man, it is really hot in here. <laughs> and like you can't think, all your worries literally melt away. And my favorite is actually bringing people into the sauna because you know, you're half naked, you're sweating, there's no phones, no TVs, no distractions, and you just have a one-on-one -on -one conversation like this and everything is just stripped away. So you just get down to the nitty gritty, the meat and potatoes, and you can just really get to know someone. So I just love it. At the end of the day, I'm going tonight after I, you know, after I get home from long weeks of work, I'm gonna go stew in the sauna and just, recollect my thoughts and you come out of there you feel so happy and you have to find that thing too i'm telling everyone what to do but you have to find ways to recharge and that could be running it could be you know gardening you know it's whatever would you say when you find that thing you know yeah i'd say so yeah it, it does take searching for as well but uh it's it's so important you know mental health is is at a crisis these days it's more important than ever and if you don't take care of your mental health and your physical health equally you know entrepreneurship is, is a hard it's it's taxing on our mind on our bodies on on everything you burn the candle at both ends you're not gonna last very long right right yeah unreal how do you measure success what does success mean to you? And you know, is it a moving target? Is obviously you have goals. We talked about the one million, that sort of thing. Uh, donation, obviously, um, donated. Sorry. Uh, what does what does success look like to you? Like on a personal level? You talk to me about both. <laughs> I think on a personal level, you know, someone said uh, I forget who it was, but if you wake up and you look yourself in the mirror and and you're happy with where you are and what you're doing, you know, if then that's, that's, that's happiness, that's success. If you wake up and there's too many days in a row where you look in the mirror and you're not happy, you're not doing what you want to do and you know there's a change that needs to be coming, then that's a clear indicator. So I think happiness and fulfillment, I know we've talked a lot about that on a personal level. If I'm going home every day and I'm like, man, that was awesome, I can't wait. Even on stressful days where it's like, oh, I gotta figure out how to do that. Oh, what are we gonna do for this? Oh man, I gotta get out of the camera, I gotta figure that out. You know, as long as you're happy doing that, you know, and you can provide for your family, provide for yourself, that to me is success. If I never become a millionaire, I don't care. You know, if I can do this and provide for my family and I'm having a great time doing it, you know, I'll, I'll be happy forever. 
you know, so that's how I kind of measure success is how happy are you? How fulfilled are you? You know, and those, do I have those two things? Do I have purpose? Do I have community? As long as those two boxes are checked, I'm the most successful man in the world, you know? Um, but on a business level, I think, is the business being taken care of? Do you have cash flow? Do you have cash coming in the business? Is the business, you know, steadily growing? We're all about long, slow, steady growth. We don't want to scale 10x every year. We want this to be a hundred year old business, you know? And if you're not growing, you're dying, right? So even just a little bit of growth, you know? And I, for us, it's all about, you know, profit margin. You know, is, is this business a sustainable business? And if it's not, something's gotta change. And we have changed our business fundamentally 10, 20, 30 times. We started as a print on demand company, right? Living in Sweden, shipping in LA, shipping to Calgary. Then we started inventory and we started selling the stores. We were in 25, 30 stores across Canada, right? Wholesale was 60% of our revenue. And then that didn't work. So uh, then COVID hit, right? And then that's when we got into custom. We do a lot of custom corporate merch now. Now that takes the majority of our business, you know? The switching to Canadian made, getting this warehouse space. We used to work from our basements and have a 3PL do everything for us. Like our business has changed fundamentally. Now we're, we're going through growth by acquisition. We're looking at acquiring another brand, acquiring another clothing company. So what worked yesterday is not gonna work today and what's working today might not work tomorrow. So you always have to be willing to change and grow. Without, if you're not growing, you're dying. So to answer your question in a long-winded way, um, how we measure success is are we growing? You know, are we profitable? Are we staying true to our commitment of the community building, our values? Are we happy? Are we having fun? Are we meeting great people? Are we spending time with great people or are we spending our time with jerks? You know? Right. All the all the small things add up to the big successes. Right? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you mentioned in there, uh, you know, you kind of touched on hard days and how you find the fulfillment even on those days, you know, and as somebody who's who's such a positive person, um, that doesn't, you know, that doesn't mean that those hard days don't exist. Yeah. How do you go about looking at the positive in every situation or, you know, finding that and, and, and appreciating that when, when, it's, when it's not so easy? You know, I look at, you have to, you have to scale back and you have to look at the, big, the bigger picture. And two things I tell myself, you know, am I happy doing this right now? This problem, this bad day, is it better or worse than my best days when I was working in an office doing something that I didn't like? And my absolute worst days here, like the worst of the worst, everything's going wrong, everything's hitting the fan, are 10 times better than my absolute best days. My favorite days when I was working, you know, um, in oil and gas, working in an office job. You know, not, not that there's anything wrong with oil and gas, or it just wasn't for me, and I did not like it. And so I always kind of give myself that perspective. And then I'm, I've trained myself to be solutions oriented. You know, we learned this from uh, our manufacturer. One time our manufacturer, they messed up all our sweaters. You know, there was holes in them, they were not good. And I was uh, so mad. So I was like, oh, I'm gonna do a business thing now. I'm gonna send a big long email and be like, these sweaters are the worst. We are never doing business with you again. How dare you blah, blah, blah. CC'd everyone at the company. I was like, Dustin, watch this. <laughs> send, <laughs> we'll show them. The owner of the company, he's same age as us, he called and he's like, Connor, like, why? He's like, take a deep breath, it's okay. Like, we messed up. But why are we focusing on the problem? Let's focus on the solution. 
Let's find ways to make lemonade with these lemons. And we'll, we'll do that. We'll take care of it. But like, like, do you feel better after writing that email? And I was like, well, no. I was like, but you're going to feel better once we find this solution, aren't you? And I was like, yeah. And that just, since that day, like I felt so stupid and I felt so little. So ever since then, you know, I'm having a bad day. It's just, it's not about whose fault it is. Not about how it happened or why it happened. That's for later. We'll figure that out later. But right now, how do we make it right? How do we find that lemonade? And if you focus on the solution, it almost becomes like a game. It almost becomes like a puzzle that's just waiting for you to solve. I can be stressed then. You'll figure it out. And the last thing is like, yeah, is this going to matter in five years, 10 years, 20 years? Am I going to be on my deathbed worrying about that one order that I messed up? Like, no one cares. Over, you spend enough time, no one cares. So let's focus on it now. Let's take care of it. And in the long run, we're only selling, we're only making t-shirts. This is not life or death, right? You know, we're not, we're not in the hospital saving lives. These are just, you know, they're just pieces of cloth. And if at the end of the day we mess up, we'll own it, we'll, we'll make it right, but no one's dying. So why stress? Right. Right. <laughs> now that's just me. You ask my business partner, he might say something else. <laughs> he stresses a little bit more than I do, but. As long as you're finding, I, I, think, I think you nailed it earlier though. You know, once you have that fulfillment, once, you're, once you know you're doing that right thing, you talked about this earlier, then, then everything else, you know, you just you tie that, everything you do back to that and you know you're on the right path. Exactly. Yeah, right on. Um, are there any, as entrepreneurs, you know, we make sacrifices, really do, um, compared to, you know, those who might be working an office job. Again, nothing wrong with that, but it's a little bit different. Um, have, do you actively make sacrifices? Have you in the past that you're aware of to, you know, grow your business, grow your community? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, like I kind of said earlier, you know, when I first kind of got into this, I sacrificed everything that wasn't family, health, or the business. So I used to love going to parties and drinking and socializing. That was gone. I used to love playing basketball, coaching basketball, like got rid of that. You know, so a lot of hobbies, a lot of, you know, fun social times, got rid of that, you know, and probably for the better. And, um, but then also now as we grow the business, yeah, we sacrifice some family time from time to time to take care of the business. Um, yeah, we make sacrifices all the time. But we also set up the business in a way that we try to limit those sacrifices as much as we can. We rarely, we rarely work more than 40, 50 hours a week. We try to, to really cap that. We to set up and design the business in a way that it works for us, that we're not working for the business. We don't want to just create another job for ourselves. You know, we want the business to work for us. So we're very deliberate, but yes, absolutely. Sometimes we have to make sacrifices and we do, and we do it, you know, and our families are very understanding and we're very thankful for that. And, um, but yeah, I don't want to be, I don't want to be the, that, that person. I don't believe that you should be working 80 hours a week, sacrificing your health and your family for the success of your business. Cause as much as you love your business, as much as you, and I love my business, but your business will never love you back. Right. It's, again, it goes back. It's not a tangible thing. It doesn't exist. It, it can't, it's not capable of love. Right. So it's fine. It's, you have to find that, that rare balance. You know, um, feed it, grow it, stoke that fire, but use it. Don't let it use you. Awesome. You said something a little bit earlier that that's been kind of tickling my mind a bit, and that was that you know you you want this business to be around for the next hundred years, mm. which makes perfect sense. Have you thought about succession planning and what that might look like? I mean, obviously you're young now. I'm sure you got plenty of years to go. But you know, have you given that any thought? 
No, I mean, uh, you know, both us and I, we have kids and maybe the kids want to run the business one day or we just want this business to, to be around. You know, you look at these, these Canadian businesses that have like been around for hundreds of years and, and why, why is that? They have great foundations, you know, great values. It's just a structurally sound business. And that's what we really want. We're not interested in growing this thing and scaling it as fast as we can in order to sell it off. You know, I, I think if Tony Shea, the founder of Zappos, you know, at one point he had an opportunity to sell his company. He said, okay, well, what would I do if I sold the company? Well, I'd probably, you know, go on vacation, maybe buy a house, buy a new computer. And then I'd probably start my own, start another business that I've loved and I've felt fulfilled with. And he's like, well, I could probably buy a new car eventually. I could probably go on vacation. I could probably get a new house. And I already have a business that I'm fulfilled and happy with. So why would I sell it? So that I'd have to go start another one. You know, this is just what we're built to do. We can't imagine doing anything else. So as far as succession planning, you know, we'll cross that bridge when we get there, but um, uh, we definitely want to grow this thing and build the right foundation so that it can, can be passed on to that next generation of crazy community builders. Right. Um, I'm always curious as to uh, biggest biggest mistakes, biggest failures, you know, and, and kind of what happened there and, and how you learned from it and that sort of thing. Is that something that you, you know, you have in mind? Oh, or? We've made more mistakes than we can think. I mean, every everything has been a mistake to, to come to this point, but it's all learning, you know. Getting this warehouse was a mistake. <laughs> we, we saw it, we thought it'd be cool to have a warehouse and our all of our inventory was in Toronto. And we're like, yeah, this warehouse should be big enough. Yeah, so what size? Yeah, 10 foot soon. Yeah, yeah, it should be big enough. And uh, we get our inventory from Toronto all shipped in, and it took up a tenth of the warehouse space. And we're like, oh man, did we just make a big mistake? We just signed this lease, and it's like, we don't even have, we can't even fill half of it. Like, oh, geez. You know, but you learn from it. Then we get Tyler in from Devon and Lang. We start fulfilling for another clothing company. Now it's all good. You know, every every mistake is just a learning experience. But the amount of learnings I've and mistakes I've made in sales meetings or you know customer customer service. You know, it's every chance is just a, an opportunity to learn and grow. You know, without feedback, we you know asking people for feedback and it, you can't be perfect all the time. You know, so it's. Um, yeah, it's hard, but uh, the, the best learnings are in the mistakes. Feedback's an interesting one. You, you left on that. I really love that. And I think, I'm curious, do you, you know, obviously you're very close with your community. Do they give you feedback? And is that how you learn? Is that how you develop your products? Like, how do you intake that and, and transform it into something actionable? Absolutely. I had this business professor in Sweden. He used to always say, without feedback, we die. And so I always kind of adopted that mentality. You, you do die without feedback. We're always, always looking for feedback. And one of, one of the ways I always kind of frame it, I'm just like looking for feedback, we're happy to be criticized. You know, let us know what you think. And I remember like the first time I posted the business on like Reddit, people were tearing it apart. They were like, this is the dumbest idea ever. Oh my gosh, so stupid. These designs are horrible. And I remember Dustin was reading this. He's like, geez, like, these are pretty brutal, Connor. And I'm like, yeah, but every single one of those criticisms and harsh comments is an opportunity. Like they're telling us what they want. They're giving us the guidebook on what they want for us to be a successful business. So let's do that. And we started taking it in and doing this and doing that and adopting this. And, and eventually, 
you get happy customers. If you just keep going and your customers are just a bunch of yes people and you say they love everything that you do but never buy because they don't really want it, our business is going to go under no time. So it's, it's, I love feedback and it sucks to hear, but it's awesome. Without it, we, we die. I love that. I'm going to use that too. I'm going to steal Please. that. Please. Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. You it's know, so true, right? It's, and sometimes it's just about creating that, that, that path forward for, to, for people to welcome it in. And like, no, no, I got nothing to say. No, no, really, tell me. No, I got nothing to say. No, I want to know. Okay, well, now that you're asking. Exactly. You know, it's really about fostering that conversation, really, right? Like, I, I feel like, yeah, you never really hear feedback unless, unless, it's, unless it's negative, unless yeah. you're actively asking for it and facilitating those conversations to be critical in a way that you want it, you know? Nobody wants to hear good enough. Yeah, yeah. And so we spent the first half of this year calling all of our customers. Why do you buy from us? What is it about local honor that you like? Why is Canadian made so important to you? You know, and I always kind of say like, don't listen, you know, just because one person says something doesn't mean you have to action on it. You know, listen to them, move on. But if like 10 people are telling the same thing, if 100 people are telling the same thing, maybe it's time to do something. But don't go down that road of trying to keep every single person happy because try and keep everyone happy. You're going to keep no one happy. Just take the feedback, start to gather the trends, start to just let it percolate and then take action on it. Awesome. What's next? What's next for you? What's next for Local Laundry? Next is we want to grow through acquisition. We want to find those other local laundries in other cities and build up diverse portfolio of different Canadian brands that we can kind of leverage our existing resources, help grow together, and really take this, this whole thing to the next level. You know, and the custom piece has been really eye-opening. We want to be the Canadian-made company when companies are looking for merch, for swag, apparel, you know. So taking that and expanding it nationally, you know, um, that's our goals. That's our dreams. We don't want investors. We don't want to take long-term debt. We don't want to scale dramatically. We want to grow long and slow. And we think growth through acquisition is the play for us for the next couple of years. Right, right on. And uh, just curious as to kind of, obviously, Local Laundry is Calgary-based. Um, and you have designs, you know, that say YYC, but also Canada-based, that, that sort of thing. What does your customer base look like currently? 70% comes from Calgary and Alberta, yeah. but we have a pretty diverse, uh, diverse customer base, Ontario, BC. We're, we have, uh, we're growing in the States. We're growing internationally, Australia, Germany, you know, so, but primarily they are Calgarians who are aspiring for that Calgary lifestyle, right? Go in on Monday, work really hard, follow your passion, follow your dreams, go out to the mountains for a hike or a ski on the weekends, you know, uh, passionate about supporting the local community. They drink local craft beer, you know, they, they shop at the farmer's market, they drink local uh, roastery coffee, you know, that's, that's our community. That's, that's who we want to support and that's who people that are aspiring for that Calgary lifestyle. And then, so these acquisitions, you'd be looking at, like you said, local laundries that exist elsewhere. So those those tight knit local communities that are building. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, and then leveraging our existing resources to help grow the communities there, right, and have impact on those communities. Incredible. Awesome. Um, is there anything else that you'd like to plug or or share that we might not have chatted about here? No, I don't think so. I just want to say, you know. Uh, 
thank you so much for giving us the platform and, and to anyone else who's listening, you know, if you have an idea or you're curious about it, maybe a potential passion, like go after it with, with vigor and enthusiasm, you know, because I didn't start this business until I was 25 because I never thought I was smart enough. My only regret, my only regret is I didn't start sooner. I wish I had started when I was 14, 15, 18, you know, and I think of how much further we'd be ahead now. You know, but I put those obstacles and barriers in front of myself when I didn't need to. And it was only when I stopped caring what other people thought and started to have a little bit of self-confidence, that's when I started to achieve all the things I wanted to achieve. So if you have an idea for a business or a passion project or a hobby, just stop thinking about it and go do it. Amazing. Well, Connor, you're, you're a legend in, in, in <laughs> Calgary and, and, you know, the building community aspect is something that a lot of us... Uh, you know, we need, we need to, a lot of business owners, a lot of individuals even need to, you know, it's, it's so important, you know, for, for the various reasons that we discussed today. And so thank you so much for sharing insights on that and, and why that's important, not only for you, but your business and ultimately everybody. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. Thank you.